0: Hello, and welcome to The Pilgrim's Podcast, the podcast where we pilgrimage our way through John Bunyan's allegorical classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. Hello, this is The Pilgrim's Podcast. I'm Jordan. I'm joined today by Stephen. Yo. And Harry. Hello. How's it going, boys? Good. Uh,
1: fantastic.
0: That is so good to hear. We're on the home stretch to Christmas. Everybody got their presents bought. Everybody got everything sorted. All good. <sighs> um,
1: <laughs> I don't know when the Bible word says we should celebrate Christmas.
0: Well, that's a, a conversation for another day. <laughs> a different podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. When are we going to do that one? straight
0: after this
1: uh, one. when we get through the Narnia allegory are we going to do Narnia next we'll have to change it to
2: uh the land of which in the podcast oh, oh man perfect that's awesome stay tuned 2023
0: <laughs> I love your optimism that we're going to have the book finished <laughs> by know. 2023
2: as soon as I said it I thought no that doesn't <laughs> give us enough time <laughs> So
0: yes, this is the Pilgrims podcast, and we're doing things a little bit differently this time around because we're so close to Christmas. We're I don't know how many shopping days is left for us to start our Christmas shopping, but we're doing things a little differently. We are reviewing the the movie, the animation uh, of the Pilgrims' progress that was out. Um, when was it out? About Easter time in in the United States. A, I think
2: so. the posters say Easter, yeah.
0: And it had a very limited release where we are here in Northern Ireland.
2: Yeah. Over half term at Halloween.
0: And two thirds of the Pilgrims podcast managed to get into the, the cinema to watch it, and the other third has just managed to watch it lately. Is that fair to say? Yes,
1: I've, um, I've watching it. In increments
0: over the last couple of days. And so really, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the course of this episode, we just want to, yeah, review the movie, give you our thoughts about it. Uh, a couple of very special guests coming up uh, in this episode. So stay, I was going to say stay tuned, like we're live on the radio or something. but
2: Keep watching, keep watching. <laughs> keep listening. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, point out any anything that we thought was different from the book, anything that from seeing it visually that maybe uh, helped us in our understanding of this allegorical classic
2: so are we ready gentlemen I think we're ready let's get into the holiday spirit and watch a uh, it's not really a Christmas movie but uh, movies are Christmassy
0: yeah, you see movies at Christmas time. So, to kick us off, Stephen, I think you have some statistics. Is it, it's not statistics, what are they called?
2: Um, Facts? No, I was no. going to say stats. Factoids. <laughs> that would be short for statistics. Factoids. Yeah, factoids. Uh, Fun factoids. The Pilgrim's Progress. Is a 2019 movie. Wow. We've established that. <laughs> yeah. It's an epic journey, faithfully adapted to modern day. Christian faces distractions, challenges, and perils at every turn on the way, but ends victorious with helpful guides as he stays on the narrow path to the distant celestial city. With a runtime of one hour, 48 minutes, it was directed by Robert Fernandez, written by John Bunyan, obviously, uh, and co-authored <laughs> by uh, Robert Fernandez. Oh, it stars... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it just
0: makes me laugh that John Bunyan's got a writing credit for this film.
2: Just and the amount of co-authors that he has. Hi, Paul. It's more of a community effort, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so it stars David Thorpe, John Reese davies and Kristen Getty.
0: And John Rhys Davies of recent uh, Question Time fame. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. If you look him up, he was on Question Time. Question Time for anybody who doesn't know for our listeners that may be unfamiliar with British television. It's uh, how would you describe it? It's a pol- Is it political? It is political, isn't
2: it? Yeah, uh, it's a, qu- a show about politics. So yeah, political. <laughs>
0: I know, but they always have a random, like guest on, a couple of politicians, a social commentator, and then like a comedian or an actor or a name.
2: They get people yeah.
0: in. Well, John Reese Davies was was seen
2: in the, the latest episode of Question Time. that was on banging on the table, going. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Uh, I think maybe more so than Question Time. John Rhys Davies is known for his roles in *The Lord of the Rings*. Plural. He was both Gimli the dwarf
1: and my axe,
2: and also the voice of Treebeard. Oh, was Tree? I
0: am no tree. I am an ant.
1: Yo, I'm just, I'm just realizing. I realized. Uh <laughs> I I, uh, I watched, well, I don't watch. I've seen some of the clips from that Question Time. You've just realised you realised. Yeah, because I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually know who
2: John Rhys Davies was until you said uh, you Gimli. Just, you didn't. Oh. Are you serious? Yep. Lord of the Rings, Gimli. Yes. Or Indiana Jones, Sala. Play okay, Sala.
1: Which one, Sala? Now.
2: Sala, the one with the family that helps them find the the map room for the Ark. They're, They're digging, digging in, the in the wrong place.
0: place. I am the monarch of the sea. I am the ruler of the...
1: That guy? Oh, I didn't realise. Well, that's
2: him.
0: This might be a good time to jump in and say, I've never watched Indiana Jones.
2: Of course you haven't. Of course you haven't.
0: Just to to let you know. Jordan, you're such a waster. Thank you for your encouragement, Barnabas.
2: So we have John Reese Davies, who we some of us maybe know or are only just realizing now. Oh, yeah. So
1: he voices.
2: Ah, oh, wow. So he voices Evangelist in this. Yeah. And then the other big name that we have is Kristen Getty, Northern Ireland's own Kristen Getty. Well, she's more America's own now. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, Keith and Kristen Getty theme, Irish hymn writers in Christ alone
0: and facing a task unfinished.
2: Joy has dawned upon the world. That's right. And others. And she plays the voice of the interpreter in a possibly unexpected uh, casting decision.
1: Yeah, so Jordan, what did you think of the interpreter being a woman?
2: <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just
0: busting, isn't he? He's just busting.
2: It's just He's just busting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: My name is Toby Nicholas Reynolds.
2: What movie did you go see?
1: I see a progress, progress, a program, progress.
0: Did you enjoy
2: it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a very good movie.
2: What is your favorite part of the movie?
1: Um, all of it. A night.
2: And what did he do?
1: He see. He had a sword and a shield.
2: And did he use it? Yeah. What did he do with it?
1: He f- he fight with it.
2: Who did he fight?
1: A bad guy. A bad guy. Well, I don't know his name. You
2: can't remember his name? No. Apollyon? Mm-hmm. That's the bad guy?
1: Oh, he is a leader?
2: He was a leader? Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: My favourite part is when Christian finds his two friends and... in got into the celestial city. Celestial. Celestial city.
2: That's at the very end, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And was there anything in the film that was scary?
1: And the bad guys? The
0: bad guys. And what was so scary
2: about the bad guys?
1: They were too loud and they were hurting my ears.
2: (sighs) Too loud and they were hurting your ears. Do you think other boys and girls would like the movie? Yeah. Was it a really good movie?
1: Yeah.
0: What about the actual film itself? What was your general thoughts on this movie? I thought it was a good watch. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you care care to elaborate at all? Yeah,
1: I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I thought it was good. It provided a bit more context at the start. Um, I liked the way it did that and I thought it kept for the most part, pretty true to the book.
0: No, I would probably agree with you there. I mean, I thought it was pretty true interpretation of John Bunyan's allegorical classic, The Pilgrim's Progress.
2: Yeah, I think for the, certainly for the first part, anyway, there is that that the big difference in the opening. But once you get past the prologue, as it were, you can see the same patterns of what we were following through in the podcast and, and almost tick them off. Yeah. It felt we were in step with the same sort of major beats of the of the storyline.
0: Yeah, the first five minutes definitely, I, I thought maybe it's going to be a reimagining of the, the book or something like that. You know, I thought it was going to come at it maybe from a different angle or I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. But, but as you say, pretty soon it settled into the into the story.
2: Some of the the animation, there are parts of it that I thought were so hyper realistic. Like, do you remember the character uh, Apollyon and his human form? Yes. When he battles him at the in the Valley of Death.
0: What did you make of the the animation? Did it take away? Well, it?
2: there's parts there where it's so the the animation on. Apollyon. What was he called? Lux?
0: Lux. Latin for light.
2: So the animation is fantastic. You know, so the wrinkles on his face and the markings and just almost photoreal in times. But yet at other times, like the worldly wise man's hyper cartoony with his, you know, bright colours and funny moustache and gold coins springing out of everywhere and his monocle and things.
1: Yeah. It's almost like he's a cartoon.
2: Yeah, but like, they have from one extreme to the other in the one movie. They they manage the, you know, the, both of these characters interact with Christian in a very close conversational manner. Um, neither of them necessarily looks greatly out of place. With Christian, but I, you couldn't see both of them side by side. No. Do you know what I mean? They're they're. He's very exaggerated and caricatured, and Lux is very somber and and more nuanced. And I think, and then the the watercolory kind of two D animation of the prologue, I thought was really good the drawings. I mean, I could have watched the whole movie in that style of animation as well. Neither the line drawings and the, almost like it's been a painting with a weave of animation through it. Yeah. And well, what yeah. stage you that at? At the very beginning, that prologue about the city is destruction. No, it cursed. Oh yeah.
1: No, I quite like that.
2: Yeah. And then the soundtrack was pretty good. There was a few hymns weaved in that really tied into what was being communicated.
1: But like even the, I thought the music used throughout the scenes, like just the background music, was always quite good. Yeah. Give like you, uh, you know, when the character came in, the music really fitted um, the character.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty early in the story when Christian goes to to legality, you can listen to that episode earlier on in our archives. He wants to remove his burden, he goes to legality, if you can remember rightly, he's only uh, described, I don't think we ever really, no he's sort of second hand, but in the film he's a a statue, he's a mountain.
1: Oh yes. Do, Do you know what it reminded me of? What's that? Have you ever seen Return to Oz?
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And the, the Gnome the, King. The Wizard of Oz sequel? Yeah. And the way it's all in the rock and all. Mm-hmm. yes, yeah, like that. If I was like five, I would have been really scared of legality.
2: Yeah, it was quite quite scary. <laughs> yeah. It came across almost like a wee bit like stop motion as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. It reminded me of like Jason and the Argonauts or something like that.
2: Yeah. But, but which is really cool when you think about you know, this is Either yeah, he's depicting legality, or or maybe even Moses with the Mount Sinai stuff. Yeah, um, and he's made out of stone, so there should be that rigidness and, and stiffness to his movements. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I thought that was really good.
0: And even the uh, inscriptions on the what were like the tablets or the, the monuments, tombstones. they were, were yeah, they were lyric yeah. Like tombstones, but one of them saved, like, yeah, I was trying to like, catch them. To see what was written. The other one said, like, work, work more, yes, speak up, or be quiet, or keep walking, or stand your ground. You know, all, they were contradictory, and it for me, anyway, it really put across that the impossibility of what was what Christian was trying to do here.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you get that. Remember, I remember in the story in the book that that sense of dread the Christian has at the mountain is hanging over him. I, you really get that in the, in the And movie. you get that feeling because it almost does come crashing, or it does come crashing down on top of him.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do I find it weird, this is
2: sort of off topic,
1: well not completely, do I think um, worldly wise man and legality are so different, yet they're sort of intertwined in the same part? Uh, in what way? I don't know. Just legality is all about legality. Where worldly wise ones all like go this way, like comfort. Yeah, ones all like bright and flashy. Where legality is very like the hard graft. It's
2: yeah. I suppose there is that. Yeah. Well, worldly wise man certainly sells it the Christian as kind of a, look at me, look at the extravagance, look how much better life would be if you went this way rather than you know, the the, the muck and the mire that's on him from the swamp. Like,
1: the way worldly wise Wiseman's dressed, he looks, he would fit more in at Vanity Fair.
2: Yeah, oh absolutely, and that's probably, there's probably more of a, an artistic uh, reference point to, you know, a, a deceiving guide mm-hmm. by having them looking Fancy and colourful, whereas everyone else is so dreary, in a sense. Yeah.
1: Speaking of Vanity Fair, I thought it was uh, a good section of the of the movie. I, I liked where they um, all sat down beforehand. Uh-huh. With, um, they're all around the campfire with Evangelist. And it gets really serious. Yes. It actually... Cause in the book, it foreshadows one of them dying, but like in that, he, he, he just said just says it straight up.
2: Did you notice? Um, just as they were walking in the Fanity Fair, the kind of the first shot you get of it, and they walk through the gates. One of the things I noticed was there's almost like uh, the symbol above the gate is quite clearly the same as Apollyon and the the demon bats. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that there's a very subtle illusion that this city or this place isn't a good place then, mm-hmm. even though they've, they've been prior warned about it. But even in the architecture, there's that underlying kind of strengthening this idea that this place is run by the enemies of the king of the celestial city. It's It's subtle. If you're not looking for it, it'll just be part of the the design and the swirls of everything. Yeah, they took the fair term very literally,
1: and then the law scene, the what you call it, the trial um, when they're in there, it sort of showed the uh, like a, same way in the book that they don't really have an opportunity. That the, the jury's just against them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Faithful's death. They don't get to see it. I thought you might see it but it's a kids movie so that's probably why
2: um, and then <laughs> yeah, that's maybe a bit much to see someone burn so. <sighs> and then you meet helpful yeah the style in the fair is almost like like Elizabethan kind yeah. of the face makeup and sorry very... do you think that that's a deliberate choice like because of it's that's like almost maybe what a hundred years or less before Bunyan's time, or maybe even during Bunyan's time, the height of um, like high society and uh, it's probably because
1: they sort of do everything with a historical field. Yeah, historical, like late Medi- wasn't really medieval. It's not really medieval. Sort of, I don't know what time Renaissance, Renaissance, but it doesn't really fill out renaissance You know, no, even though, yeah, like, like timeless. Made, a millennia England, what it feels
2: like, <laughs> yeah. But I know what you mean, yeah. That kind of generic mm-hmm. the past. Uh, I think one of the, the key bits that, that stood out for me was Doubting Castle, you know, when they, they skip off the byway or skip onto the byway on the path after Vanity Fair and they end up well there's the whole thing with the giants what is it they end up in like his shoe that they take shelter in yeah and uh, it's very it's very lord of the Ringsy at this point kicks up a gear in the fantasy realm and you've got giants and everything's massive but the the castle uh downing castle that they end up in and they're in the cage with the skeletons and all, and they're being encouraged to do themselves in because doubt couldn't take you so far. Uh, but there's a real strong link here between the way that they did the interpreter's house. Yeah, the interpreter's house is really interesting because they obviously don't go through all the individual rooms of the of the house that we've just spent two months doing. They st- strip it right down to kind of key elements that they can bring up again throughout the rest of. The movie,
0: the interpreter, I mean, Kristen Getty's character uh, seemed quite Lord of the Ringsy.
2: Give her a, yeah, like a Galadriel. But just if you just give
0: Kristen Getty her ears, she's gonna be her cousin. Yeah, yeah.
2: But, but the biggest question
1: is, why do all the people have English accents? Then the interpreter has a Northern Ireland accent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and does does that disrupt the continuity? Did did John Bunyan, when he read it, think all these characters are going to have English accents, apart from an <laughs> interpreter? who's going to be an Ulsterman, even even though or woman, well, well, Ulster woman. Sorry, sorry. Whoops. I mean, these are. <laughs> I'm probably think, thinking about this too hard here. Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah. So you've got the interpreter's house in this version. Really condenses the in the visions and the rooms down to what three? Maybe I yeah, think I can recall no, the
0: passion and you've patience got got passion was there. Passion and yeah.
2: patience still. You've got the stars looking like uh, something about the stars, like constellations of people of great yeah. kings and. It's- that's a new version. That's not in the book though, that version. No. No. I don't think so. Well, I suppose is it is it more like is that meant to be like the interpretation of the portrait uh, of the godly pastor? Yeah. You know, but done not as a painting but as as lights and stars and
1: Yeah, I suppose possibly.
2: The people who've gone before. Which is maybe ties in as well to the Stately Palace a wee bit. Uh, And then, yeah, you've got the man in the cage. The man in despair. Mm. And that's really it. And they're not any more than that. Mm. But there's a real strong tie then at the point of the Doubting Castle where he recalls that moment with the interpreter. And that really is what spurs him on through Doubting Castle. Yeah. And the whole scene with them escaping Doubting Castle and the giant fainting and all of that is hilarious (laughs) I know one four year old who found it very funny
0: what about as well just something that stood out to me a difference as it were between the book and the film Christian in the film seems to be a lot more hung up on his family
2: yeah yeah, he's willing even to stay.
0: Yeah, he, he, when he gets to the river, at the very end, and he realizes it's the it's the point of no return. Once he goes, he's not going to get back. Once he's crossed mm-hmm. the river, and he he refuses to go. You know, he, I've come this far. He says, "I think to well to paraphrase, I've come this far to find a way for my my family to come with me." So I have to go back and get them. Yeah. And it's only when uh, Hopeful yeah. sort of counters back at him and nearly persuades him to go. And um, the same mm-hmm. with Apollyon. Apollyon in the book, he, he offers Christian better work and wages and makes no mention of the family, but the family here is shown to him. You know, his family are pleading, yeah. his family are crying. Yep. Um, and Napoleon sort of dangles that in front of him.
2: I suppose the biggest difference uh, in the movie was the, the opening yeah. scene. The, the book starts with a man, probably John Bunyan, going to sleep and having a dream. And the whole premise is set in, in the, the realm of this being a man's dream. Whereas we get a lot more backstory, we get a a Lord of the Rings prologue of sorts. The City of Destruction, uh, its um, origins, uh,
1: quite different. Yeah, very different. Well, they changed the name of the the city to a certain degree as well. Good decision. Maybe takes away from the fact... You
2: know, there's actually somewhere called destruction. You know. Okay, so you think that the the choice was maybe, to, yeah, how do you explain? Why would these
1: people want to be living in somewhere called destruction? So maybe change it up a bit. Uh.
2: Yeah. Again, I think that's something we addressed. You know, you come into this story completely fresh. You've just turned up to movie house and you're going to see this movie. You think why, yeah, why is everything named what it is and why is anyone there? Yeah, it's very on the nose, as you would say, Stephen. It is very on the nose. That's a very good way of putting it. I
1: think you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, you're being very on the nose, Harry.
0: And so um, at the end of the film, Christiana gets the letter and she's just joyful. Gets gets the gets mm-hmm. the boys, you know. Your father's alive, um, and then Napoleon whew, zooms across the screen and uh, says, "To be continued." Yeah. Do you think there will be a Christiana film to come?
2: Do you know I'd watch it if they released it? I think I would definitely be looking for it and would sit down and watch it. Oh yeah, another another trip out. Yeah, but like I think it's a story that's left unfinished there's more, there's potential there to now that we've established the world and the characters there's more to be explored and potential with um, going through it all again with uh, Wife of Christian I don't know why I called her that Wife wife of Christi- Christian Christiana. <laughs> That's
0: wife of very Christian. 17th century <laughs> Yeah Any closing thoughts about this film, boys? I just
1: recommend people to watch it, especially those who are if you like the book? I think the movie will be a good time. Do
2: you think it's a good introduction for people who don't know it? Um, Do you, or is it something that you're better seeing if you know the story?
1: I don't know. Um, I think it's a good I think if you're showing it to kids. It's it's quite good. It's um, mm-hmm. like it's quite hard to Well, all children are like this, but for other children, it's quite hard to get them to read. Like sit down and read a yeah. book these days. So mm-hmm. if you want them to know about this story, um, but it's maybe too early for them to read the book, the whole book. Um, I think the movie is a good, good way to introduce them to it, and then get more detail in the book when they're
2: a bit older. Lightning round: What hymns do you remember hearing in the movie? Oh, Be that my
0: vision. that's the one I was gonna say.
2: Be that my vision and. Yep, that was at the cross, oh, yeah. wasn't at it? The end. It played. Hold on. Was it not blessed assurance? Blessed assurance was there as well. This is my story. Oh, there are three other hymns that make an appearance. I'm gonna
1: say because Christian Getty's "There uh, in Christ Alone" played.
2: It didn't. No, no, oh, it okay. actually didn't. No, sorry. Two, two other uh, songs. There's just two versions of the same hymn.
0: Um.
2: The other one was Sam 24, King of Glory. Look at that, I don't right. remember that. And the final one was It Is Well With My Soul. Oh, was it? I think I might have been over the credits at the end. Oh, right. Okay, special Christmas lightning round number two. Don't look up on the internet. Okay. There have been four other Pilgrim's Progress movies made in the last 108 years. That's a bit of a clue. You know there's also a video game. Is there?
1: If you go on a Wikipedia, it says about the video game. Made in 2004. So I don't know what. Right. Well. what you get that on. It's probably awful though, Stephen. honest. imagine
2: there was like a Super Mario Brothers version where you scroll throughout this world. Interacting <sighs> with people and things. Or like a Legend of Zelda version. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. So when do you think the earliest Pilgrim's Progress movie. Something like the 1800s. Was made. So. Probably 108 years ago. Yeah, well... At least one of you is listening. Uh, 1912, we have uh, two parts. Part 1, The Life of John Bunyan and part 2, The Pilgrim's Progress. Three reels of film. Starring Warner Oland oh, yeah. as John Bunyan. And Clifford Leigh as The Christus. It's considered a lost film, so we can't oh, watch it and review it.
1: That's unfortunate.
2: And apparently... Warner Oland, who played John Bunyan in this, nearly drowned while filming the Pool of Despondency scene. He did, actually. What a doofus. He was a Swedish actor. Okay, so that's 1912 for the first one. When was the next one
0: 1974. made? 1974.
2: Close. Are you thinking of the Ken Anderson edition? The one with
0: Liam Neeson in it.
2: That was 1978. <sighs> for IMDb, it says, this was shown at churches. <laughs> this is what it says. That's what it says. That's the two trivia items are Liam Neeson's first film and this was shown at churches. Also it was filmed around a lot of the exhibitions of the Ulster Folk and Transport Museum in Cultra just outside Belfast. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think also the Worldly Wise Man scene was filmed at the bottom of Cave Hill. Yeah, no, I think, Belfast
1: I think again. that's true. <laughs> I remember that.
2: The other two were 2008 um, Pilgrim's Progress, Journey <laughs> to Heaven. And then in 2017, not that long ago, there was a musical adaptation of John Bunyan's classic allegorical novel, The Pilgrim's Progress. Ah, it's something that worth sounds
0: up. awesome. That sounds like something to review, but we'll leave that for another time, will we? Yeah. I think so. I think for now, um, we'll we give it a review, a personal out of 10.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'll start. I'll give it solid eight.
1: I think I, I was going to give it an 8 as well, so solve 8.
2: I think I'd probably uh, go like for oh. an 8.5. Oh. You know, I think it, I definitely would recommend it. I think it's yeah. worth watching. I think if you want to read the book, it's a good starting place. If you want to get an overview of the whole story.
0: I think so. So, if you feel uh, compelled to watch it after listening to this, let us know what you thought. Hit us up on our email.
1: pilgrimspod at gmail.com com
0: or find us on our social medias uh, at pilgrim's pod across the platforms
1: Oh, and listen to all the episodes
2: we'll jump back into the book in the new year now that christian has lost his burden yep. and is heading towards the celestial city
0: but until then have a happy christmas yeah have a nice christmas
2: and uh, yeah do have a nice Christmas. Find the Lim Neeson nice Pilgrim's Progress on YouTube and sit down and watch it. <laughs> okay.
1: Or buy the DVD for this
0: one.
2: Or tell a friend to start listening to the Pilgrim's Podcast over Christmas so that they can jump back on board for the journeys in the new year and be caught up. Until
0: next time, bye-bye.
2: Bye.
1: Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye.
0: Bye. Cheerio. Bye.